array of videos, posts, and fun at the official Rob Glasser. Let's start the show with a video this morning. I'll explain more in just a minute. Let's roll. Good morning, everybody. My name is Rob. This is the official Rob Glasser, and we're coming to you live from Everyday Heroes. This particular series covers all things informational, educational, and definitely fun. Now, we're supposed to get a guest on in a minute, so we're going to give her a second, but let's talk about what we're doing today. So you know me, and if you guys are longtime listeners, we talk a lot about quotes, sayings, and getting in-depth on words. Today, we're going to talk about an area I love the most, which is animals, and quotes. So we're going to talk about animal quotes, quotes about animals, and deep dive a little bit about what we think they mean, as well as possibly the person who said it, what they could have been coming from as well. <laughs> Excuse me. So let's go in. All right. First one we're going to talk about comes from... Um, Francis Hodgen Burnett, the author of A Little Princess. Let's pop this up here because we're going to chat while we go. And they said, how it is that animals understand things I do not know, but it is certain that they do understand. Perhaps there is a language which is not made of words and everything in the world understands it. So being from a book, obviously, this probably had to do with whatever was happening at the time. However, this is a very interesting quote to have, especially from a fiction author. I do believe as well that animals do have their own understanding of things. And while they don't physically speak like we do, they do make sounds. They do uh, physical things that mean things. For instance, you know, when they uh, when a dog uh, spins in a circle, it's actually their ancestors learning how to get comfortable while still being safe and protected. So Burnett here makes a very good point. We may not understand what they're saying, but it doesn't mean that they aren't saying something. Our guest just arrived, so let's grab her and pop her on so that way she can join us for the rest. Um, all right, so next one comes from a man we all might know, a little man named Woodrow Wilson. And he said, if a dog will not come to you after having looked you in the face, you should go home and examine your conscience. <laughs> now, I love these ones. I talk a lot about how people like Roosevelt, how people like Wilson, how people like Churchill were very funny when they spoke, maybe not intentionally, but those guys knew how to throw a good jab when needed. This is definitely one of those times here. And it is true. This is something you think about when you're talking about people as well. If somebody isn't necessarily looking at you trustworthy, you might want to backtrack and think about who it is you are or who <laughs> or what it is you're trying to do. Now, this kind of goes along the lines, which we may or may not get into, but the Mark Twain quote I love, basically, the more I know people, the more I love my dog. He's saying the same thing there <laughs> is that really trust is not given, trust is earned. But if you're going to look at any living creature that really deserves the trust or gives the trust, an animal like a dog, you could say the same for a cat. However, many quotes talk about how cats are independent. So obviously there's the joke there. 
But what do you think on here? Do you, now I don't know where now again we don't know where these quotes came from. We don't know what the speeches were they were giving. We don't know if this was kind of off the cuff. But what right. do you think he might but have I been talking about that, at this point? Um, a, a lot of people would, um, a lot of people would identify with that statement, whether it was taken out of context, relevant because it's probably taken on a life of its own at this point. But the fact, fact is, is that you, you know, people will say things like, you know, dogs can smell fear, dogs can smell, you know, they can sense things from us. So if a dog comes to you and trusts you you something good about you and, and most people kind of feel that way especially when it comes to loving creatures um i know mine will mine will lick your face right off <laughs> there's something really wrong with you as would mine i'm sure yeah so i had statement in a way all right well that's fair and that's a very good um you know opinion-based fact right there. So let's go on to the next one here. From Fyodor Dostoevsky. I hate that man's last name, but, you know, what are you going to do? Um, he, let's see. he said, right, let's get this up here. Um, People speak sometimes that the bestial cruelty of man, but that is terribly unjust and offensive to beasts. No animal could ever be so cruel as a man, so artfully, so artistically yes. cruel. Now, keep in mind, guys, this is another fiction author. The first one we talked about was uh, Francis Hodgins Burnett, the one who wrote A Little Princess. This comes from a man, obviously, a lot deeper, a lot darker, uh, wrote a lot more in-depth books, obviously more Russian literature than anything, for sure. Mm -hmm. But this is a very clever way of not really being rude, or being rude without not being fully rude. But really, from my point of view, this is also another very straightforward uh, quote. You know, and again, and it, I, I'd be the first one to tell you, and I'm sure you would, my wife would probably agree as well. You know, it is offensive to speak of creatures as you would on documentary. How, you know, in the past you watch a documentary, like, oh, you know, the lion is so aggressive and da 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 No, really what the lion is doing is what it does come naturally, and that's just what it does. The fact that it's so large and has large teeth makes it look ferocious, but it's not doing anything normal outside of what it's supposed to. So the fact that Dostoevsky here is saying no animal, non-human animal, could be so cruel, so artfully or artistically, another jab at the face of humanity. Now, again, not knowing really where the whole speech was coming from, my guess would be is this was probably a re, uh, reaction to something maybe a leader at the time said, maybe a political figure. You know, you never know where it's coming from. But being that it's from a fiction author, you got to give these guys credit because they make some of the best points in the most artful, no pun intended, ways. So what do you think? Writer. I mean, he, he, he is a an extremely deep uh, thinker and some amazing things. And this goes along the lines of jerk, but that would be mean to jerks. So, you know, it just didn't the most simple sense because this is a phrase that has been used by people for 100 years. And, and it, it is. It's like, you know, um, talk to um beast being beast and and we 
autonomous behaviors. Um, and we talk about, about oftentimes um, human, but because we think we're we're above uh, we're above animals, and common thought process for several thousand years of general humankind. It, the reality is, is that because we do think we should be thinking better, so thing it, it shouldn't be out of instinct, and it shouldn't be out of of you know we, we shouldn't be torturing we shouldn't be doing horrible things you, you know we do things with with such creativity such horrible things with such creativity do that animals don't no, that's true. And do I mean, things and for, any, any non, for that reason any non-human creature better than us <laughs> right exactly any you know? non-human animal they really, there is no point in doing it. Yes, do animals uh, war against each other? Of course they do. But it's not for any other reason yes. than really for protection of themselves, protection of their right. young. Right. There, there's possibly... actual purposes be behind it. There's ter territorial things, but it's different from what humans would do. So, Correct. So that's all worth is that, you know, we, we like to say, oh, look, we humans, we're great, we're smart, but, you know, guess what? Um, we are, you know, animals are better than us. Um, they don't do these cruel, inhumane things. We do. They might be more human than we are as humans. Now, the next one on here are number four, and this is from a great man as well. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi said, the greatness of a nation mm -hmm. and its moral progress can be judged by the way its animals are treated. Now, I know I've heard this also said by other people as well. I just figured if anybody, yeah. this is going to be the guy who's going to, you know, make a, a statement. But this is true. Now, we know from him, and this I can talk more on because I know more of his background. He was definitely more of the peaceful nature, you know, make love, not war type of mm -hmm. deal. But this is probably more intense than just saying, be kind to your fellow man, because it is true. The way a country or, or even a city or even a town for that matter, treats everything, whether it's its animals, whether it's nature, whether it's the water, whether it's the air. We talked about it on the other show about the inventions to bring back the nature. That's how you're gonna see the kind of people and the kind of uh, stuff you are. Um, again, coming from him, I think it's more profound. Um, and really, I, I honestly, from what I've seen, this is probably going to be my favorite. We'll see. But what do you think? I mean, coming out of his mouth, well, right? You know, it, it's here's the thing that's fascinating. This is a comment, um, and of course, it's very powerful from him. You will see a statement like this in most societies. Um, uh, secular or religious or otherwise will have a statement of how you treat the lesser, how you treat the animals, how you treat the neediest. That, that tells you everything you need to know about us because how you treat those who are the most helpless, so elderly, that tells you kind of all you need to know about a society because themselves or less likely to be able to help themselves right. if you look at the state of that society and you go wow they really do care they really do they they do some gosh that 
tells you so much and it tells us so much as as humans again and and gandhi would like he he was one of those people who like to bring that mirror concept of showing the mirror and you take that mirror and you show it to a person to say okay well you're saying blah 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 blah, blah. here look so he's taking this you know but you can tell a society by how it treats its animals right and so how it treats its animals tells you kind of a lot of things that becomes so very important for us to think about and look at and maybe look at things a little differently well this next one is perfect and it actually comes from a actor we all know and this is definitely a quote that gets me a lot or a type of quote that gets me a lot he said and i believe this is from a movie because it says sierra but apparently he said zoos are becoming facsimiles or perhaps caricatures of how animals once were in their natural habitat. Now, this is very hard to comprehend to a lot of people. Unfortunately, we're at a point now where many creatures such as the giant panda, such as the elephant, such as tigers, they can't reproduce. They can't save themselves because of what's come of their habitat. So in a way, a zoo or a reserve is great because it keeps the animal alive. However, I like right. where he's going here saying it. The fact that we had them to begin with maybe wasn't the best idea at this point. And again, your mirror thing kind of made me think of something. My dad told me about when he was in New York and there's there's a part in the zoo and it says the most dangerous animal and you walk through and it's a mirror yeah. to you. Yeah. And this is really a slap in the face. Yeah. And he, he doesn't sugarcoat it at all here. He really is slapping the face of people. Now, the issue, though, is here, and I think you might agree, we're at a point now where we can't really stop having those places because if we do, 60% yes. of the animals are no longer going to be able to be around because they can't survive anymore because of what happened. For them to have anymore. Exactly. So what do you know... There's not, I guess there's not really a debate here, but it's more of a, you know, would we go back in time, not ever put this together and just kind of do, you know, go on a safari, go out on a hike, you know, see these creatures where they're supposed to be instead of, you know, so it's kind of double edged. I love what, you know, places like San Diego Zoo and the Washington Zoo and all them stuff do because they do a lot of good work. But I also agree. Yeah. You know, the concept of a zoo has changed drastically, not to mention in the last several hundred years. Zoos used to be like the cult in Rome, where they were pens to be used for amusement and torture and used. You know, it had nothing to do right. with preservation. The concept now of things like the, the, the zoo in D.C. Um, that I... I used to go to as a child and this several times, both as a child and as an adult um, and, and their efforts for survival um, of animals that we would otherwise have lost are it's very different concept from what zoos were. And I live in a place in the Sierras, uh, the Sierra mountains. And I have seen, I've lived, here the encroachment 
on um, land and every time and there's less and less land. So when a cougar walks to downtown Reno, a cougar walked to downtown Reno because it didn't have a habitat anymore. You know, <laughs> yes, that happens still, you know, there's bears that go into people's houses. There's uh, just because they're having away. And so we as a human species need to figure out it. But today, a good zoo. Now, I'm not talking about countries that don't protections. Um, I will say that countries like the, the U.S. and many first world countries, um, Denmark, um, uh, uh, the Netherlands, they have, have conservation rules that, mm -hmm. that are there that a zoo is not people about these animals, but they're also there to try and save these animals because they're happy. But it's scary, like, like learning that tigers, there are so many tiger species. There's no, it doesn't exist anymore. And you're just like, how? They, they had habitats only what's left of that and so it, uh, that quote is is so poignant and so frightening that you know it goes back to some of the things that we've discussed of of, of you know how can we be better as a species right exactly so right now we we need a good good zoo to keep them and hopefully someday it won't be as necessary Right. And going off your fact, I know in Africa, there's a lot of places that the uh, um, areas are basically protected and they, it's like a shoot to kill type of thing. Like if somebody trespasses, those guys are allowed to do whatever they want to, to make sure. So yes, many places are doing it the right way. But the, the if you guys want to think about a good quote, keep that one in mind. And if you guys are coming yes. on replay, you know, save it, maybe copy paste to put it up on your screen. It's a really good quote. Now we're going to go back to Mark Twain for a minute, and this is a great one too. If you pick up a starving dog and make him prosperous, he will not bite you. This is the principal difference between a dog and a man. Going back to the poking fun, as Woodrow Wilson did and stuff like that. Now Mark Twain. Now, and it's funny because I didn't realize he was such an animal guy. But if you look him up, he had he had a lot of big dogs, and there's a lot of photos of him and his dog. Like he purposely took pictures with his dog. Um, but this guy really did feel, and again, you know, the joke is it's kind of like Hemingway where he lived off by himself with a bunch of cats. You're like, okay, he sounds like a loner. It's yes, the, the author stigma is, is whatever, but if you bypass the fact that's just being a person, the, he had the right idea, this guy here. It's that is the difference between non versus a human species. You pick up a, a dog or a cat or rabbit, whatever it is, you help it. That that creature is indebted to you, basically, whether or not you know you yeah. keep it or not. That creature is like, I'm going to remember you. And you know, you've probably seen videos online where you know years later they're like, Oh my god, you're the person that saved my my puppies, and they come running over and they they you know, it's 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 crazy, but it's true. So the fact yeah. that he is again pointing, poking at, in this case, because he's from America, poking fun at you know the presidency and politics, he's going. That's the difference, guys. If you pick up somebody, you they might be thankful that you helped them, but two minutes later, they're not going to give a damn. And that's, 
you know. Now, before we do that, because I want to actually compare these two, another famous author, Dean Koontz, who, funny enough, if you've read the, his books, on the back cover, he always puts his golden retriever. I don't know if his golden retriever is still around anymore, but every back of his book, he always had his dog, and he, you know, dedicated. He, this guy loved, you know what's funny? I love authors because they love their pets. Like, I know one thing about authors is that they love their pets. So he wrote, and I believe this is from one of his stories here, Petting, scratching, and cuddling a dog could be as soothing to the mind and heart as deep meditation is almost as good for the soul as prayer. That's pretty intense, but true. And we know, we've talked about this on previous videos, petting your cat or your dog for, what is it, 10, 15 minutes can lower your blood pressure. So if you have high blood pressure, high cholesterol, petting your pet can actually lower the risk of a heart problem. Um, playing with your pet, scratching your pet. It's not the fact that you're doing it. It's the fact that your body is taking in all of that. about that exchange of love. And it just it happens subconsciously. Magical. You don't even yep. know. Your brain is just sucking it in. No. And then after you're done, you go. It's amazing how for a moment, I, I swear sometimes one of my cats, I think she knows when I'm about ready to get angry with my computer, and she'll walk into my office and She'll just start pick you up. What do you want? And then she'll just sit in my arms and she'll just meow. And then I'll forget why. I'm, and then I'm like, you're magic. Stop it. <laughs> All right. So the next one here, I love <coughs> Sigmund Freud, obviously the father of psychotherapy. I prefer the company of animals more than the company of humans. Now, this could have been because of what he did for a living. He probably was like, okay, I've heard way too many things I don't want to hear. I'm done. Let's go back. But this is a good quote, I think. I think this is a really good quote. And this is kind of similar to uh, the Mark Twain one. The difference between a dog and a man is that if you help the dog, he's actually going to appreciate it. Um Say what you will about the man. I mean, I think he, I, I love this stuff. I read up a lot about him. He's a very interesting guy. It also helps that my dad used to be, or do psychiatry for a while. So I knew a lot of this stuff. But what do you think? Just as a general quote, not even from. Well, you know, because I'm not going to get into the man because I'm very familiar with him and his work and his papers. Um, <laughs> but besides that, I love the quote. It's just, it, it's what I call the unconditional love. It's also something that you have with with uh, um, young children uh, and babies. It's just there's that, un and there's no um, expectations. There's no no string, no nothing. And so the 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 love, the exchange that you get with an animal. Um, what you see is what you get. No hidden agenda. There's no confusion. There's no, no um, secret texting to someone else behind your back. Yeah. <laughs> no, very. Yeah, Animals you... are just so amazing. Is that, and I, I think that's why it works, people. No matter what your animal of choice is, um, um, because I know people from the reptiles the birds, whatever it is that they, that they get, um, animals. Um, and I know this with people with livestock too. It's just their animals additional feeling right. that it just, um, um, there's a trust and 
you, you know it's real. You know, you look into each other's eyes and, and you just, you kind of squares with the human. You never know what someone else is thinking. You never know motivating them. With, with, with an animal, it's just there. And you don't right. have to worry other people, other things, other whatever. So it's so easy to just animal, trust your pet, trust, trust that they're there for you. And it's why we um right. about them and and why we get um our animals as we do with our people because there's a very deep connection and why i could tell my cats and dogs anything about it. <laughs> so we got two more to go over i love it that's hilarious we got two more to go over um, let me just get this one down really quick so it's ready. All right, so this uh, number nine here from the late great Steve Irwin. Miss this guy was amazing, one of the best guys I've ever yeah. seen. He wrote, "If we can teach people about wildlife, they will be touched. Share my wildlife with me, because humans want to save things that they love." And I think this speaks directly to what you just yes. said. Yes. When you have that thing there. There's yeah. nothing else. It's just the true. And again, if you guys don't know who this is, he was big on animal puns. Crocodile Hunter is what he went. But I actually got to meet him once. I went to a movie screening. Awesome. And he was a crazy dude. Like he literally, he spent any time he could be in there shooting about animals, he jumped into the thing. There was, you know, the, the yes. outside lot was full of animals. So he jumped into the cheetah thing and he was petting on it. He hopped over to the to the raccoons, whatever he was doing. But this guy, like this guy was the epitome of what an animal planet show is. And this really explains it. And really, uh, and if you watch any of the reruns or you watch any of the documentaries on him, this is what he would say. Yeah. You know, he doesn't do it for the celebrity. He does it because it's what should be done. And he makes a good point. If you, you know, things you love, it's like, you know, your, your spouses, your family, the things you love, the people you love, those are the ones that you do things for. So why not spread that love? People to are always saying well, about this habitat or, or why should I care about this animal? It matter if, if this or that. And so a lot of times, you know, the versus progress or business it, it, it there's no balance balance whereas right. if people can see and that's what steve Irwin was trying to get people to see these animals and you can see how important they are to our ecosystem and to our survival and how important we all are then people will care and it won't it'll be how do we balance this better how do we right. do this better how do we how do we make it a function and and then it won't be an us versus them it'll be us together he was trying to be and that was and that's what his daughter still does to this day yeah his daughter his wife i think his daughter's husband does there his son yeah. does it yeah so the whole it's a whole family thing like they literally all right so we're going to end it with a funny one for those of you who are a fan of terry pratchett you're going to probably appreciate this he wrote, in ancient times, cats are worshipped as gods. They have not forgotten this. Again, if you know him well, you know that this is the kind of stuff that he writes. I know my wife is a fan of his books. And we have a bunch uh, downstairs. But I just thought I'd end with a funny note right here. And, but even, even in the comedy, too, 
these guys know the truth about life. I mean, we joke, you joke about your cats. Mine, oh, mine's in the other room right now. But, you know, we joke about it, but it's true. You know, they, you, you, you give the animal the love, the support. They remember it. Now, cats do have that uncanny ability to be like, I love you, but on my terms. But you still love them anyway because they're cute and cuddly until they scratch your eyeballs out. And you're like, okay, I don't want, you know, I'm just kidding. No. But no, one of my cats he, does that, that Egyptian pose all the time. And I'm like, because she's, she's all black and she just sits there and she does the perfect Egyptian pose. I'm supposed to bow to you. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and then you do it anyway because you're like, okay, fine. No, just kidding. Um, I know. Come cuddle with me. Stop it. <laughs> all right, you guys. So we had a good time. If you want to uh, read all of these quotes plus more, we put the link up cadaddle.com. It's some of the best animal lover quotes uh, to celebrate your furry friends. So we had a good time here. I hope you got it as well. Maybe we'll get uh, this lady back over the weekend. I will check in with her. But until then, we have our. Usual yesterday video today, so we're going to have our special uh, new episode of Alt Universe live at noon. If you haven't already, come find the umbrella, the official Rob Glasser. That's our new kind of overhang. That's where you're going to find Everyday Heroes, Alt Universe live, and Minding Your Mental Health, YouTube and Twitch. Hit that bell, hit the subscribe. Do the same thing for her. Disneyverse, Marku42, and the Disney Librarian, anywhere podcasts are sold, you're going to have a blast. So... Thank you for joining us. We're very glad we got you on as usual. Hopefully we'll get you back very soon. And until then, everybody, stay curious. And of course, thanks for watching. Bye, guys.